Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 99 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And 99 episodes plus 150 of the old format uh, means this is 249. And uh, I have a big announcement. So if you are on my social media, I've already announced this. But uh, with some abrupt changes to my schedule and just some pivots, uh, I am done at episode 100. I'm going to retire this podcast. It doesn't mean that I'm 100% like lifetime, never going to come back to it. I will always give myself the opportunity to maybe down the road if I feel inspired. But uh, it's done more for my career than I could possibly imagine. And uh, I've already recorded episode 100. I brought back my old co-host, Dean Guido. So we dive really hard into the legacy of kind of what the podcast has been for us. So I, you'll get it within probably a few days. So I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, it was rather fortuitous that I'd already scheduled today's guest uh, because uh, Cody McBroom is himself a longtime podcaster. And there's actually a number of parallels with our careers. So I felt like this would be a really cool place to kind of leave off as well. So Cody has his longtime podcast, uh, The Tailored Life Podcast. That's also the name of his nutrition coaching business, which he owns. And uh, honestly, you've just been doing this a really long time. We've probably been in the industry a very similar amount of time. We both spent roughly about six years at a facility, and then we started our own businesses right around the same time. So it's uh, it's an honor to have you on, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's cool. I've done a few of these with different individuals, uh, either on my show or on theirs where, um, there are those parallels and a lot of the same influences were shared, right? Like the, the early days, grungy gym strength coaches that we would learn from or, or see each other at seminars from. Um, and it's cool to come back, connect and realize that we've, uh, we've both grown separate companies and then we can look back and be like, man, it's been a similar, but really cool journey. And it, and it just goes to show that, uh, hard work and patience really is the key to all this. Yeah, we could end off there. That's literally the message. <laughs> and we met in 2017. We both attended Luca Hosevar's uh, fitness, uh, Vigor Ground Fitness and Business Summit, where you actually worked for a really long time. And, and Vigor is one of my favorite places. And I always go back to Luca's uh, events whenever I can. I was there in 2021 and honestly loved it. And I'm, I know he wasn't able to pull it off this year. He did a smaller one in Slovenia, but I'm hoping that he'll reboot it next year. I'll be there. Um, and really quickly as well, because you guys will get this. Um, I got a couple of speaking things coming up. So if you're in the Manhattan area, I'm actually speaking at Kenny Santucci's Strong New York. It's going to be at Chelsea Pierce Fitness. Luca's also a speaker there. There's a really cool lineup. And so if you're around, you want to come and hang out there, please like come and attend that. And then uh, I've got a few more things. I'm doing the NSCA regional, Rocky Mountain Regional uh, Clinic. That is December 10th. And it's going to be in Arizona. They're finalizing location. Watch my media for it. And then uh, I'm also uh, part of the lineup of Raise the Bar in Dallas, February 24th through 26th. So Luca's in that one. Jonathan Goodman's already confirmed. Um, Jill Coleman, Tony Gentilcore, Lisa Lewis. I've had a recent episode with Derek Mendoza about it. He's one of the founders. So guys, come and hang out with me. Meanwhile, Cody, maybe I'll actually see you at one of these again. We talked maybe about Raise the Bar. But I wanted to go in a couple places with you. And you're an example of a coach who's built a brand and a reputation in the industry, but yet you like Sam Miller, who actually kind of reintroduced us, even though you and I have each other on social media or a Mike Milner. And there's a few other examples. I find you guys are awesome examples of people who really stay within your audience. You serve your audience. You guys all have podcasts that are very aligned with your business. And I'm an exception to that. My podcast has always been kind of 
off my own little playground to, to hang out with, you know, interact with old friends, connect with people, talk about things I'm interested in. And this podcast, I don't actually think has actually served the type of clientele that I work with. So I wanted to find out, you know, what you thought about the pros and cons of, I guess, both of our approaches, because you've done the podcasting for so long. And, and, and what's the underlying philosophy about just staying so laser focused within serving your audience? Yeah, man, it's a, that's a good and a loaded question. I think that, um, so for those listening, uh, I run a company called Tailored Coaching Method and our podcast is called the Tailored Life Podcast. My um, and pretty, pretty similarly to kind of what you just said, like when I started it, it was very, uh, I mean, it wasn't well thought out or planned. I didn't have this methodical idea of targeting my audience or, or my niche client or anything like that, which would be the smart thing to do from a marketing perspective. Uh, at the time, I was just creating content. I was just content, content, content. How much can I teach? How much can I provide value, value, value? And I was doing these uh, Q&A lives on Facebook in my garage at the time because I had roommates. And so that was the only place I can get some quiet. And uh, my buddy who also worked at Bigger Ground with me, uh, Theo Bowie, he joined on one week, jumped on the podcast or the, the Facebook live that week and we answered questions. And uh, him and I had a cool relationship where we would just flip each other's shit. I was kind of like the guy that was in science. He was the guy that was less about science and loved to just poke fun and have that banter. And it was the best live I've done and people loved it. And somebody commented, was like, you guys should start a podcast. And so we were, we just kind of brushed it off. As soon as it ended, we looked at each other and we were like, we should probably do that. So it started as a way for us to just connect, create content, and honestly, selfishly talk to people we wanted to talk to because you, you, you probably remember this. We used to pay for consults with coaches and, and strength coaches and business owners and stuff. And now I'm like, wait, so I can just tell you, I'm going to have you on the podcast and I get to pick your brain for free. So I'm in. And so we did it that way. And then as we started noticing that our audience base was more, uh, was, was everyday people. It wasn't other people like us that we started kind of broadening by not just interviewing people we loved, and we wanted to listen to, but also interviewing people who might not have any more information than us, but could just teach the same thing in a different way to be able to resonate with the, the person listening to the podcast. And that expanded to Q&As and everything. And at a certain point, I took over the podcast because um, Theo was was going to eventually transition out of the industry. He, he moved way up north. I moved way south. And so like an hour commute just didn't make sense. So I took it over, kind of rebranded it to my company and, uh, and just ran with it. And now we're and, and I think that's similar to exactly what you did, correct? It's exactly like so. Me yeah. and Guido, Guido like reached out to me one day. It was quite literally the couple of weeks before. Actually, it was about a month before you and I first met in 2017. And I just met him. I knew him a bit. We used to chat back and forth. I fucked around with a little bit of YouTube stuff. Never really took off. But he thought, hey, I'd be perfect for this. So we leaned into it. Thought we'd do some local stuff um, within my travels. Uh, you know, I met a lot of people. So I had Mike Isertel, Sohi Lee is two of my first guests in the first 10. And those nice. blew up to the sky because there weren't as many around back then. And so Dean and I did 150 together. And then again, I was driving uh, a half an hour each way in the morning on Thursday mornings when we would record these things. So there was that, but it, you know, I didn't mind that. But uh, he hit a point where there was gonna be some major life changes for him, him and his wife, we're gonna have a baby, they've got a little girl now. And he just knew that he had to redirect his energies, but he was really insistent. Listen, like you need to keep this going. Um, so quote, rebrand, pull it more under my um, brand umbrella and continued on with it. So it's almost the same story. Yeah. Right around the same time too. It's, it's yep. hilarious. Cause um, in 2017 is when I 
left vigor um, and started from scratch. So I literally uh, just out of respect and, and wanting to keep, you know, good relationships in the industry. I, I basically was just like, Hey, like I'm going to give up all my clients to the trainers, at the gym, I'm going to train them on how to train these people, make sure it's a smooth transition and I'm going to start fresh. So uh, at the time I took over the podcast, left the gym, gave up all my clients, decided to start my online business while my wife had girlfriend at the time just got pregnant. So I basically looked at her and was like, Hey, I think I have this really good idea. I'm rebranding the podcast for me. I'm going to really go in all in on this online thing and I'm going to quit my job. And, and you're never gonna have to go back to work. Don't worry. Mind you, our house that we were just buying was under her name. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> talk about some pressure. And, uh, and, you know, she never went back to work. So it, it ended up working out, but I, uh, I rebranded the, the podcast. And after a year of trying to like, kind of figure out my flow with it, I really got into my groove and started getting after it and doing it um, pretty methodically. And that's where we really started to take off. So now we're over just over 800 episodes. I think we just passed 800 episodes over 3 million downloads. I mean, it's, it's grown a ton. We've had some amazing guests. Um, and it's been cool because our most popular episodes are the Q and A's and that's where I get to just sit there and just talk to the client. And I think that's kind of going back to the original question of like, how have I been able to really cater to the people who I serve Q and A's? I mean, I learned it from Gary V. I realized that like this guy would go book a keynote speaking gig at an event with thousands and thousands of people. And he would just answer questions. This guy didn't have a script. He would just go up there and just who has got, who's got a question? You point in the crowd, somebody would ask a question. And I actually saw that and took that and was like, let's just do Q and A's constantly. Let's find questions from our clients. Let's find questions from our listeners and our Instagram and all these things. And let's just talk directly to them because what they want is their solutions, the, the solutions to their problems, right? And if they're my audience and they're my client and they're my niche, well, then everybody who's not speaking up to ask those questions or who discovers me through my content is going to find me through the content of me solving those problems, right? So this goes back even to, I, I actually just did a presentation. We had a, 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 some, a private seminar at my gym here uh, just this last weekend. And I did a, my presentation was all about the, uh, the unforgotten, but the, uh, the most beneficial aspect in business, I believe from a marketing perspective, the most powerful tool, and that's SEO. Well, forget about this because Instagram is cool and TikTok is all the rave right now. And we use those tools. We need to use those tools. We'd be stupid not to. However, the one thing that never changes, the one thing that never dies, the one thing that doesn't have an algorithm that's going to shit on you is SEO. It's blogging, it's your website. And it's really important for, for trainers to be able to utilize that for people to find them that wouldn't otherwise find them because they're not an influencer. You know, you and I have a decent audience and, and we can leverage that and we should, but there's a lot of people who can't and they don't have that. Um, also, I think that there's a powerful aspect of trust from a clientele when they see that you can create long-form content because it takes somebody who has knowledge and experience to be able to create long-form content. So I've always looked at it that way. And, and basically what I've done is, is I've, I've, I've just mastered the art of Google and seeing what our clients are looking for through Google because for everybody listening, just to let you know, when somebody wants to learn how to reverse diet after a competition or after a fat loss phase or anything like that, they don't search the hashtag hashtag how to reverse diet, they go to Google and they search how to reverse diet. Um, so I've just worked my ass off to create uh, a lot of content online and really improve our SEO around the topics that matter most to those people. They find us through there or through the podcast because there's some elements of SEO that transfer into the podcast. And I've just catered all of our content and the problems we're solving around those things for the, the people that, that really seek help from us. Um, and it's allowed our podcast to generate a lot of our clientele, to be honest with you, in our member base, because um, I can't stress enough, if, if somebody 
Um, and this is the last thing I'll say about this. And, and I've really learned this over the years and great. I post on Instagram every single day. So don't get me wrong. I still utilize it. But the, the thing that I've realized is if I write a 5,000 word blog showing my expertise on a topic, even if a gen pop individual goes and finds that blog and doesn't read the whole thing, cause it's maybe a little too, too many words, maybe they're just not into reading. It shows them that I know my shit. And most often I'm saying, Hey, don't want to read this. Cool. I recorded a podcast on it too. Click here. And then they'll click there. They'll sit in their car on the way to work there and back an hour commute in a day, listening to my voice in their speakers, educate them. There's nothing that builds trust like that. So we've been able to really just, just hone in on that. And I think the, the biggest barrier to, to overcome is uh, knowing that you can't ever talk about the same handful of topics enough. Like you can repetitively talk about the same things because it's the same problems that people face and a calorie deficit. It's always going to work. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's doing it, but you, you hit on several things that I'm a big believer in. So, you know, you mentioned Gary Vee being an influence and you are building what I like to call career capital. You're, you're building authority, right? To establish authority in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's valuable that the rest of the industry knows who other authorities are, but you're, you're talking about creating authority in the eyes of your audience, your potential client, your, your following, et cetera. And Again, you've got a very large library of articles. You know, you're talking about SEO, but those articles are themselves, you know, established capital. Like you said, that shows people that you actually know what you're talking about. You got YouTube. YouTube is also, I mean, yeah, YouTube is a, an external platform. Technically, it's almost like a social media platform, sort of a different one, but it's also a search engine. It's one of the largest search engines out there. So just like people are typing into Google, they're typing these same things into YouTube. And oftentimes the YouTube videos are what's showing up in the Google search on certain topics. Because so Google it, owns YouTube now. <laughs> YouTube. So it's, it's all part of the same thing. So you've done this stuff really well. And you know, mentioned Gary Vee, another person in the industry I've had on a few times who preaches this stuff to the trainers he mentors is Jordan Syatt. And a lot of the people who are successful under his mentorship do what you do really well. I had Eric Roberts on a while back. And Eric, well, Eric's also blown up his social media because he did that with social media but he's written a lot of articles. He's done the YouTube stuff. He's got the podcast. So he's another person who's followed that same model. And I think you've done a lot of the same things as the people coming to that funnel. I think you just figured it out earlier without necessarily doing the same mentorship, because I think a lot of this stuff trickles down from Gary Vee's philosophies because Jordan Syatt trained Gary Vee, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of convergence there. And I, you know, there's a lot of resistance to some of this stuff from coaches, but at the end of the day, this is a... I'll call it a fast track and it's not fast. It takes a lot of work, but it's still a fast track to authority and credibility, which then gives you the credibility to go up on the stage or in whatever format and do the Q and a thing, because I think you do need to have that authority. People recognize that you know what you're talking about in order to be able to do that. I think you can start there for your audience, no matter how small that audience is, because you're still their go-to fitness person. I, and that's what I want trainers to do is to, establish yourself as the go-to fitness person and serve the people who are following you. Even if that number right now is very, very small. You and I, we started with very small audiences. The clients in front of us are immediate social media network and it grew and grew right over time to where we are now. So I'm kind of funny with my media because in, in several ways, I've actually sort of defied some of this because I, I do like I write for some of the publications that I do and I write a lot of training stuff. That stuff's fun. I like that. Um, I'm kind of guilty of not writing a lot of training stuff for my website because I would rather actually, you know, send it out to even a larger audience for say T nation or muscle. Yeah. Fitness. 
Uh, and then the podcast, of course, is it's just always talk about the stuff that interests us, like you said. And it still creates a tremendous amount of authority. It's almost like a different road to one of the same outcomes. And it's led to more recently, especially this last year and a bit, a lot of speaking engagements. And I think I had the luxury of very early on establishing a very big local social media and uh, referral network profile. Like just, I, I have a lot of different networks within Edmonton, right? It's, it's a big city, but it's a small city. So I was always kind of as busy as I wanted to be based on referral business. So I had the luxury of having that sort of taken care of so that I could play around with the other forms of media and do kind of what I wanted, which led to travel and relationships and all that sort of stuff, which has led to speaking engagements. And there's a lot of cool opportunities and, and relationships that have come out of that, that who knows where that could go. But I think for me is where if you're, if your business is really taken care of, I don't think you ever stop working on and in your business. But if you also get to spend time on the things you find most interesting and most fulfilling, it can actually give you the energy to do the stuff that takes care of the livelihood. So there are some parallels and then there's some sort of difference of paths, but I think it comes around to mostly the same things. Any, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean... Yes and no, no, because I agree completely, you know, and, and it's very aligned with how I've always thought. And I think that, you know, most when we talk about building authority, even I think that there's I mean, number one, like people have to realize when you Google search something, the level of authority that you subconsciously feel when you see the top results on Google versus finding somebody random on Instagram, there is a huge difference. Right. Um, and there it's not easy. There's a there's a, a method behind SEO and get, being able to do that. Um but once you can accomplish it and you can repeat those tools, it's not that the algorithm is going to change in a week and then it drops off. Like it actually just, you know, if you get yourself on page seven and people keep reading, then you're on six, then you're on five, then you're four. And we've been implementing things to just keep climbing up all these different topics, you know, and, and I've been able to um, find, have a lot of people find us. Reverse dieting is one that we rank for really well. And, and I mean, we're, you type in reverse diet case study, reverse diet transformation, reverse diet before and after. We're the first image every single time. And our client, the one client I wrote a case study article about that has really good SEO is all over. And people see that and they're like, well, who is this chick? She's everywhere. And then they click through any of them and it's going to go to my blog. So there's, there's authority there. And then there's also, I love what you said about authority with the clients you serve, because I think a lot of people their biggest problem, and I'm guilty of this, we all are as trainers usually, um, you want to build authority with other trainers and it becomes a, a pissing match, right? And you're like, I want other trainers to notice me. I want other trainers to think I'm smart and I want to sound so technical and scientific and, and I'm 100% guilty of it. But then you get to this point where the people you actually serve, you're going over their heads and you're not targeting them. And on top of that, most of the trainers don't give a shit. They're not going to like your stuff anyway, because they're not, they're too busy. We're building their businesses for their clientele if they're smart. So at a certain point, you learn how to build authority with the right people. And then you actually end up and, and you don't do it for this reason, because you let go of your ego and you focus on building it for the right people, the people you serve. But at a certain point, you get recognized by other trainers because of that. And then you fulfill the egotistical thing that you wanted in the first place, because other trainers kind of give you the nod, like, damn, dude, I see what you're doing. Well done, because <laughs> they get it. You you said the same thing. I was going to. I, I was wondering if you were going to go there because I was going to throw that in, and that's exactly how I look at it. It's if you do such a great job of speaking the language of the end user, and you're so effective at being, you know, just an educator for the end consumer, invariably you end up with the respect and and visibility within the greater industry. I mean, who are great educators? Like. When, it, when you think of it, who are some great educators in our world for the end user? 
people who really speak to the general population well. I mean, you already named quite a few of them. Um, I even think about like, and Jordan Syed's a good friend of mine. I've picked his brain multiple times and he's on the same page. But like, if I read, just using him as example, if I read his content, I never read his content and go, God damn, you're smart. Or like from a, from a nutritional science perspective, or that goes over my head, or you're saying exactly what I need for my problem or anything. I immediately go, ah, I see. Like he, he gave me a piece of advice one time that hit really well. And this is a good example of it because it, I can see how well he's talking to his clients when I see his stuff, but he said uh, for, for shareable content, and this is great advice for, for people who are content creators. It's like, if we're trying to create content that's shareable or just gaining reach, not necessarily like deep dives into, and, and I do a blend of both. And I think that's important because once you capture somebody's attention, we do want to go deep enough to, to hit pain points and, and really tell them that we can help them. You know, it's, it's a mini sales copy in a, in a caption in a way. Um, but he, he said, if you can create something that people see and say, fuck yeah, I told you so, then they will share it because they want everybody who follows them to feel the same way. And a good example of this is, is a really popular uh, post I did is it also said is basically like people who give you shit for eating healthy, uh, like basically can go fuck themselves because nobody thinks eating healthy is stupid or being lean is dumb. They just don't have what it takes to get it done. And they're insecure because you're taking action. And they're not. And so many people shared it and messaged me and were so pumped because they wanted every person that gave them shit for ordering a salad at a restaurant to see their story and see that post and read that. And for them to just subconsciously be like, I told you so, you know, and that's, that is where I'm speaking to them. I'm taking the words out of their mouth and out of their brain. I'm not teaching them any science about periodization or anything like that. I'm just saying, let me, let me be your loudspeaker because you don't have the authority to tell these people to fuck off when they give you shit for eating a salad. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And honestly, again, it's another perfect parallel. Um, a conversation, an old episode with Jordan Syatt a few years back was a major catalyst in me leaning harder into social media. I knew that with writing for T Nation and having the podcast and some of the other things that were going on, I needed to complement those things with a more visible social media presence. I didn't fully understand at the time just elements like, there, there's this tribe, tri, not tribe, but this attitude that, oh, you don't need, you know, a large social media following. It's true. There, there's actually truth to it. But I also find that the people saying that tend to have large social media followings already. Yeah. They've established a lot of credibility. <laughs> or the other side of it is, is the people who, and I, I apologize for saying this, but it's almost like a sour grapes mentality because they haven't, they've struggled with it or they haven't figured out yet how to to build it, how to attract people. Because it's not about ooh, a social media, it's not about a number. It's a fact that that's real people. Like, I mean, again, like stop buying followers, guys. Like I, I, every once in a while I see someone I know and all of a sudden they gain the same number of followers it took me a year and a half and they've gained it in a month and they're not doing anything weird or different and they're not sharing stuff that I know is gonna go viral and they're not externally famous. It's not like all of a sudden, they're training the rock and he shared them on the social media for that to happen. It's like, I know you're buying followers. Yeah. Right? It's like, stop that. That's not going to help you in the long run. It's fake. Um, but real followers are people that you're, what are we talking about here? Influencing more people, potentially more clients, but getting a broader message out there and having a greater impact. Every trainer talks about wanting to have a greater impact, but then they go, well, you know, you don't need a big social media following or like, you know, stupid influencers are sharing information and like no one's listening to me and I want those influencers to go away. Well, why don't you actually just beat them at their own game with all of the good information? Like, what did you do? 
found every vehicle possible to get quality evidence-based information out in front of more people, right? And the social media following for you, I think was probably not something you leaned into as much as it, be, it was concurrent because of all of the other points of credibility and authority you built. And over time, more people found you, right? I leaned harder into social media by creating messages that would be resonant. The things that people go, fuck yeah, I agree with that. Just like mm-hmm. you said. And then they share it. And then it shares more and more and more. And I had the good fortune. One of the keys that it's not easy to replicate is because I've traveled so much and I've met and developed really good relationships with a shit ton of people in the industry. A lot of times those big accounts are following me and sharing my stuff. So it's actually accelerated the process where my social media grew faster than I think most people's did. So there's a whole bunch of key elements there, but there's, there's really critical parallels and again, like Jordan Syed was one of the big influences. And I always point to people, listen, if you want to learn about how to, to grow media and brand, Jordan still should be one of your, your primary resources. And he is able, he has two podcasts. He's got his mini podcast, which is a Q&A, which is one of the most popular podcasts out there. And he's got his, uh, his business podcast with Mike Vacanti, and they got their business mentorship. And one final example about, about the guys is, I'm guessing you've read their book, Eat It, mm-hmm. Right. That is not a book for trainers. No. That is a book for the general population, the end user. It is one of the best written. In fact, I think it is the best written nutrition book on the market because most of the mainstream nutrition stuff is pseudoscience. Like virtually everything yeah. out there is pseudoscience. And then you get a few books that are pretty good. Lean Muscle Diet, love that. Lou Schuler, Ellen Aragon, that's actually a really great book. Uh, but Eat It is the book for me to say, to any client who's struggling with something here, go read this. This is yeah. literally the book for you. Yeah, hundred percent. Even like, um, like the uh, flexible dieting, Alan Aragon. It still is a more scientific approach than what they would take, and I think that's important because both are great. Love both of them. Had all of them on the podcast um, outside of Mike, which um, I've I've hit him up multiple times, and we've gone back and forth. <laughs> he doesn't like doing them. He doesn't like doing them. Um, but I I do think it's it's a it's a matter of they know how to speak the voice of the clientele. And it, that's really important, you know, and I've learned a lot from John Romanello on that over the years. And, and I've worked hand in hand with him multiple times and, and he is really good at that. But understanding copywriting is important for people. And I think, you know, cause for me, like my social media following isn't like overly massive, but I have a very loyal audience. And I think too, like that's a big key component to being able to sell your audience, right? Like having a big audience and having an audience that will buy your shit is two different things. But I also think that there's just different ways to go about it. Cause if we, if you look at like, since I got Instagram to now, there has never been a viral post or any one thing that set me apart or like a single month where like, cause even Jordan side, he'll tell you, he's like uh, Gary V challenged me to post two or three times a day. And the infographic thing was big and I just went ham on it. Right. And so that's how he got his initial base and that momentum. There was never a period of time where I cracked the code of this, or I wasn't the first one to do the tweet post. I, I didn't spend a whole month doing any one thing for me. It's, it's exactly what you said. It's just that consistent and congruent message across my platforms. And if you look at people like, like I remember uh, when John Meadows first got a Instagram back in the day or when any well-known person first jumped on Instagram, it's like, boom, all of a sudden they have 50,000 followers overnight. Why is that? 
Well, it's because they're really well known from other things over the years. Yes. People were waiting for them to get an Instagram finally. And then when they did, they jumped on it. So for me, it's like I was writing blogs before that. I got an Instagram and started the podcast, pretty, pretty similar timeline. And I was doing interviews with people. I was going to seminars, doing workshops. I was meeting people, collaborating when I can. So it was just all these things I was doing. And I was repurposing content everywhere that if somebody found me here, they ended up finding me here too. If, if I connected with this person, they shared my stuff. They, you know what I mean? I, I cross-pollinated audiences. And I think it's just that consistent momentum, you know, over time, just continually creating and anybody who has followed me for a long time or knows me, they will consistently say that my message has never changed. My brand has never shifted. It's always been the same transparent, authentic message. And, and that's really, really important. I think in this, in this content, like if we talk about organic content marketing, it's an umbrella of all these different things that help us grow and reach more people. That's one of the most important things is knowing your voice, knowing your audience, and then having that, that consistency with that message over time. Yep. And if people would be patient and apply it, because I think what I did was super similar. And I like how you pointed out about John Meadows. There are industry leaders, there are authorities, and I, I'm going to sooner or later write an article that at least touches on this or insert it into a presentation because it's relevant. It's for lack of a better way of saying it, it's an external fame outside of the social media platform. So even I used uh, Eric Roberts as an example and, and uh, with Jordan, Jordan has a lot of external fame in the industry because he's got a lot of credibility for a lot of different reasons. Um, a lot of the people he's mentored. So when he got big on infographics, like he's told us a story where he told Carter good mm -hmm. to do it. And I met Carter a few months before I met you. And Carter was one of the first people to lean really hard into the infographics. So did Susan Niebergall, who is Jordan's partner in the inner circle, but one of his mentees. So did my buddy, Chad Hargrove, who was part of that early mentorship. And at the same time, Spencer Nadolsky was leaning hard into infographics. And so he Lee was leaning hard into infographics. What's true of every, and then Jordan, once he saw that Carter was doing well, he leaned into it himself. All those people built six figure social media followings early. And with the mentees, there's not necessarily a lot of external fame with them. Some of them built it. Susan has a book, you know, she's, she's Jordan's partner, but Spencer Dolsky, he'd written a book long before. He's a well-known personality speaker, presenter, authority in the industry. So he, same thing, Jordan, same thing. So you're right with Meadows. There's a lot of people out there who are actually pretty well-known in our world for just the legacy of what they've done, their influence. People know who they are. And then they, they have social media following simply because of that. An interesting effect, I've uh, both Jonathan Goodman and Joel Jameson, pals of mine, they both came to me and wanted to talk about, you know, what I had done with my social media because they both hit a juncture where they're like, hey, I want to work on my social media and blow it up. Uh, John got on a, a video call with uh, Jordan side as well, chatted with us and saw what we did. And then they both turned around and applied that formula. A lot of it was the kind of the Twitter based graphic writing from their point of knowledge are both very, very good content creators. And what I explained that happened with the two of them, because very quickly their social media followings exploded. It's because they already had so much external authority and recognition that people all of a sudden were seeing their posts up in other people's stories going, shit, I know Joel Jameson is fuck. Why am I not following him? Shit. I know who John Goodman is. I read Ignite the Fire. I've read this book, that book, whatever. I've read the PGDC. I know who he is. So People are finding their stuff, but they got that extra reason to go, shit, I need to be following him. And with our media, I think when people find something that we share, I think what they're doing is they're looking and going, all right, well, 
is this person, and, and this is almost like a, a weird, but it's an honest way to actually like look at it. Is this person important enough for me to follow? People are looking for a reason to say, it's cool to follow this person. Hey, that kind of sucks, but it's true. And then they look and they go, oh, okay, he's got a pot. Oh shit, he's got like tons of articles, he's a writer. Oh, he's got a successful YouTube. Oh shit, he writes for this publication. Cool, okay, it's okay for me to click follow. And it accelerates the reach, the touch points. But then you have to go back and do what you said, and you have to create that audience with people, which and I like putting this one out because Jordan's been a great example of everything we're talking about. Jordan started, I, I think, or he may have started the trend or he certainly jumped on early where he would embed the Twitter post within a selfie of him. Mm -hmm. And I noticed a lot of other people copying it. And I said, no, 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 don't try to copy that because Jordan, by his own words, he's not trying to grow more followers with that. He's trying to be more visible and have more of a relationship. And people yeah. see him with the people that are already there. And it's a very smart move for someone who's already got the numbers. I think it's actually a great move regardless, but understand why you're doing it. And I'll be honest, it's something that I actually struggle with at times and I need to do more of is to be more visible and more present image-wise within my media. Because oddly enough, I'm not someone who actually needs to be selfies in forefront of my media. I actually prefer my message to be the star of my media. Or my clients like Larry, but I actually really do need to make sure that people are seeing more of me when most of the time I'm just head first down in my business and I don't actually spend that much time on social media. Anyway, thoughts again on all this stuff, because I think this is one of the best discussions I've had in a long time. Yeah, I think that, um, and Jordan told me the exact same thing. And that's where I kind of realized, like, I, I tell people you have to have almost like a ratio of the type of posts and content you're doing based on what your outcome is. So if he's in a phase of getting the people who are already here to see what he offers and to use or hire his service or pay for his product, then he's going to focus more on depth, not as much on reach um, and more on that personal connection, showing his face more, right? He didn't, he, he told me specifically, I didn't want to be the infographic guy. People said, this is that infographic page. No, this isn't an infographic page. This, I, my name's Jordan, you know? And so I've always leaned more so on that side. Um, and my whole thing has been, you know, creating a lot of clarity around what I actually am trying to build and what I want. And so because of that, I've always had far less of my content being reach specific. And I know because one, I know the strategy, but I also know many people like you who have done this and I can utilize the strategies to probably grow my social media faster if I wanted to. Um, but we also have to understand what is our outcome goal? Like what is the end goal that we really want? I'm on a mission to build tailored coaching method. Tailored coaching method is an extremely individualized coaching service. So we are not, you know, um, there's some companies that are semi competitors with us, but they're much larger than us. And they're much larger than us because they have a team of coaches that is three to four times bigger than us. They serve way more people. They're also extremely cheaper than we are. We are an extremely individualized and tailored approach. A lot of connection, a lot of interaction, a lot of depth because of that my main focus is always how much value and depth can I create with the people who are already here? You know, like Seth Godin said, like, all you need is a thousand fans, right? Because if you have a thousand people who are raving fans, you win. Well, I have, I don't even know what my followers are at right now. 30,000, 30 something thousand or whatever it is. I got plenty of people following me to make plenty of, of success with this business into, we have eight coaches. We're looking for a new intern soon to start going through the internship process. And then we have our chief science officer who does research stuff, our media guy. We have a pretty decent team, you know, 11 or 12 of us, 12, 13 of us total, including me. Um, but 
I can't have each coach working with a hundred people because then they can't have a extremely tailored process. So that's where like, I would rather have a very slow and steady growth. And in the ego side of me sometimes wants to say, fuck it and just grow my social media. Cause we all like the numbers. Let's be honest. And I have friends that have done it and they grow faster and they surpass me. And part of me is like, Oh, I should do it. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm staying true to my message. Um, and I still want reach because I do want new people to discover me, but I prioritize depth because I know what my outcome goal is. My outcome goal is to build a company without running ads and things like that. I want to build an organic company and I have done that and I've supplied all my team with clients and they're growing and they're able to have these extremely in-depth coaching relationships with people and we'll keep growing because we're doing it for that reason. So that's why sometimes people, I will give advice to people and they might not see me doing it. And the reason I do that is because I'm like, Hey, like this post right here, I know it's not going to go viral. I know it's not going to get the most engagement of my shit. Um, but I do know that this is going to hit home with some of these people who already follow me and the people who read it, they're going to buy because I'm speaking directly to them. And that's when you can understand the difference in those types. And that's where, again, going back to when I look at another trainer who is doing one or the other, I don't look at their likes. I read the content and I can really respect the person because I know what they're doing. And I'm like, you're, you're an extremely intelligent marketer and business owner because you know who you're writing for and why you're writing it this way. Um, and I encourage people to, to look at more than just the likes, look at more than just the viral, because that's how you actually capture the people already following you. And even to that, like, I know what types of content going back to that whole, like, fuck yeah, I told you so message. There's some times where I will get more shares by hundreds than I will likes, which is funny. You, you think people would like it and then share it, but they will share it because they don't want to click two buttons. <laughs> yeah. so they will click one button. So you can, you can almost guarantee that if you got. 500 people to share this on their story that you can take at least 250 of those and add those to your likes because at least half of those people didn't like it. They just wanted to click the, the one button instead of clicking at one and then another because the mind is so lazy nowadays. But I would rather have people share my shit than like it because if you shared it, I know you liked it. You fucking loved it. You know, so there's there's different outcomes of every piece of content. And, and that goes for blogging too. Um, blogging is a very long-term ROI. I don't get this instant dopamine kick because a hundred people like it as soon as I post it. And I'm like, oh, that feels good. I feel good because I just completed a 5,000 word article and I'm proud of it, you know? And then when I Google search that topic next week and I see that I'm on the first or second page, I'm like, yes, like that worked. I'm hitting it, right? And then in six months, when people start applying because of that blog, I'm really pumped because that means in two years, they're still going to be applying from that same blog. Whereas on Instagram, that's not the case, you know, and I think that's really important. And I use this again, I I've done, uh, this, this one at my gym was the second time, but I've, I've been actually funny enough. We just talked about, uh, Texas. It was in Austin, Texas. I got, uh, asked to come speak and I spoke at a, a business coaching seminar event thing. And, uh, I talked on SEO and I pulled this up as an example because I, we had multiple people saying I've been Googling, trying to figure out how to reverse diet and you keep popping up. And when you, when I went to Google images, I was like, holy shit, here we are. Like, you know, and that's really important, you know? And so those sales are easier. Those clients are more committed. And the fact that they read this long article, learning about the process, I don't have to overly explain why we need to do this. And if any coach has coached people through reverse diet, you know, that is the, the hardest part is every week talking off the ledge and reminding them, Hey, we got to do this. This is part of the process. Trust the process. I don't have to. Because they read that and they trust me before they even even get with uh, the coaching. And I will say this. It's impressive that you are owning that space because you traditionally think, who's the first name that comes up when you think of reverse dieting? Lane Norton. Lane Norton, right? And so if you're occupying shared space with Lane, 
and in some cases coming up first ahead of his stuff, then that says that you've really owned that space. So anybody listening also pay attention to how Cody's very specific and, and locked in on certain things, right? You've really focused on SEO as a guiding star for how you built your business. And you're going to hear different things about SEO. Some people are going to say it's a waste or it's not important, but it's not about SEO. It's about the way that you explain your content creation strategy. You're not chasing SEO hacks. You're not. You're creating a legacy of great content that will perform well on SEO, regardless of how Google changes algorithms, right? And that's the underlying thing. And there's a big difference between, you know, hiring an SEO expert. Don't do that. Like most of those people don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're going to be like stupid hacks that may temporarily bump you, but it probably will hurt you in the long run. No, actually understand fundamentally what in the big picture really and truly drives SEO authority, credibility in the industry space. Um, I'm almost out of time. So again, Cody, this has been fun. Like actually this has been one of my favorite conversations and I feel like it's actually like a full circle of a lot of the stuff that I figured out along the way. A lot of things I've learned, a lot of things that people like Jordan Syatt have, have shared and imparted on me. And it's a lot of the stuff we talked about is quite literally the blueprint from what took me from being the local trainer with a, a strong word of mouth referral network um, you know, mostly as busy as I wanted to be when we first met to being able to do some stuff that I never imagined that I find personally fulfilling. And everybody's going to have different things that they're interested in. You know, I think, again, it's for some of the people listening, it's going to be grow the business, work on and in the business, uh, you know, focus time and energy on family, you know, build a livelihood. And then for other people, I think there's a desire and I fall into this camp where, yeah, I like the idea of, you know, and, and again, you got to be careful. Yeah, sure. It can be ego driven. You can't let that get out of control, but for the broader recognition, but the broader recognition, being able to speak at industry conferences, go hang out with people, peers, friends, it's still fundamentally driven by doing all of the basics, serving the client in front of you best. And you just scale the scale, taking all that knowledge and wisdom you have, sharing it in evergreen formats, like articles, like podcasts, like YouTube videos, and building it patiently over time and then aligning your social media with it. And I think that's a great format for anybody who kind of aspires to, you know, any aspect of the two directions that we converge in, but there's sort of a little bit of a differentiation sort of in, in the top end. But either way, I think most coaches probably want to be in one of those two places or a combination of both. So I will say this, people, please go follow Cody. Watch what he does. It's not necessarily just about the individual message. It's just watch everything. Go look at the deeper resources. Go listen to his podcast. Go see how he does that. Go read some of the articles. Where does everybody find you on social media? Yeah, thank you for all that, man. That means a lot, really. Um, and it has been cool circling back. And, and especially because when we met, it was the same time I started my individual business and journey and left the gym. So it's, it's so parallel. But um, on Instagram, it's just Cody McBroom, one word. Um, and simple and then tailoredcoachingmethod.com is our website and you can find links to everything there the podcast youtube blogs coaching app all that kind of stuff uh where we've been featured on so everything is there and then again cody mcbroom is the, the instagram beautiful and everybody listening uh thank you again so obviously i i do a final send off on the next episode which is already pre-recorded but i can't say enough again thank you for the people who've been legacy listeners people who found me recently 
And the cool thing is, is that there are 250 episodes with the industry's leadership um, all over them that you can go back and, you know, maybe you, I'm sure there's someone here listening who's literally listened to all of them. That's super cool. Thank you. Go back and listen to your favorite stuff, but also go and check out Cody's podcast and the podcasts of some of the other great people in the industry. There are so many of them out there now. Um, but if you're someone who's more recent or hasn't listened to, you know, many of them, well, shit, you have a giant library that is evergreen to go back and listen to. So work your way through them. I'm very proud of the overwhelming majority of the episodes. There are probably two, three, four episodes that I'd like, hmm, yeah, these weren't the best, but that's part of getting better at it. That's part of the experience too. You're not going to hit home runs every time. Um, I'd love to hear from you on Instagram. I want to chat. I want to stay connected. Please follow me there at Andrew Coates Fitness. And again, thank you so much, Cody. Um, it's been a pleasure. Likewise.